Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity to bless your name. You are great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me is his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the Son sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a
say how good it is to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Uh, last weekend, uh, Robin and I were out of town. We went to uh, Toronto. Pastor Akil Thompson used to be our youth pastor, assistant pastor for m- many years. Uh, he's taken a church up there in the Toronto metro area and doing an amazing job. And we got up there Thursday night and we spoke Friday and Saturday at their leadership retreat. And I was privileged to speak at their church on Sunday. I didn't know, but it was Thanksgiving weekend uh, in Canada, and so that was kind of cool. I get to do Thanksgiving twice this year, Um, but I'm going to tell you, they don't do it up there like we do it down here, amen, and I told them that too. I said, look, everything's better in the USA, amen, so (laughs) they they weren't as receptive as you were to that comment, but but no, we had a great time, came home Monday, but it's good to be home. Uh, I'm looking forward to finishing out this series. I don't plan to be gone anymore this year, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this. Didn't Pastor Pavey do a great job last Sunday with the second command? Amen, amen. Now, if you like that sermon, great. If you didn't, blame me because, uh, you know, we kind of had that pre-planned what we were going to do. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Welcome to week four of our series on the Ten Commandments called God's Top Ten. In week one, we kind of gave an overview of why the Ten Commandments were still relevant to us. Week number two, we discussed the first commandment, worship no God before me. Last week, we covered the second commandment, don't worship idols. And today, we're going to move on to the third commandment. I'm really excited about this. It's going to be fun today. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. I want to first read from the King James, then I'm going to read from a couple of other translations for clarity. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. All right. Same verse from the New Living Translation. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Amen. And then the same verse again, this time from the New Revised Standard Version, which, by the way, if you're into reading different versions of the Bible, I just want to throw this in. You might want to check out the NRSV. A lot of scholars believe it is the most accurate English translation of the Hebrew and Greek uh, original text. Just throwing that out there for you the NRSV. You may want to check it out. It says, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Amen. So today's message in our series is, what's in a name? What's in a name? Now, The Lord said in our text, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, King James Version. Do not misuse 
the name of the Lord your God. New Living Translation. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, NRSV. Now, what's in a name? How uh, or does how we use the Lord's name really matter? Well, apparently it does. So I want to dig into this command and look at some of the ways that this command is interpreted for our application today. But before we talk about how or how not to use the name, I think we need to take a few moments and, and build a foundation of why the name of the Lord is so important anyway. Amen? We need to understand why his name is important. Why is God so sensitive about his name? Well, first of all, let me just make a, a quick general statement about names in general. Your name represents three things. And if you're taking notes, you can uh, write this down. Number one, it rep represents your reputation. Right? That's why we say things like he's making a name for himself. Or he's got a good name. Or he's got a bad name. We don't literally mean, you know, the name of Jordan is a bad name. We might mean Jordan Pavey has a good name or Jordan Pavey has a bad name. Why? Because we recognize your name is directly linked to your reputation. When we say a name, we automatically think of a reputation, don't we? Let me show you the proof. Adolf Hitler. You immediately get this kind of sick feeling in your gut, right? Elvis Presley. I'll stop there, amen. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Mother Teresa, Debbie Fuller. There we go. There's a name we can cheer about. Amy McIntyre. See, what am I trying to say? You think of a name like Amy McIntyre, what do you think? Sweet as honey. Friendly as all get out. If you don't like Amy, don't even talk to me. I don't like you either. Amen. See, because she's got that reputation, right? Mika Dorsey. I just saw Mika uh, walk in here somewhere. You know what I think about when I think of Mika? Fighter. Overcomer. Doesn't quit. Handles adversity. When I think the, of the name Mika Dorsey, I think fighter, champion. Overcomer. See, your name is directly linked to your reputation. Yeah, I love that. Her daughter's up here cheering for her loud. Amen. Your name is also, it also represents your character. What you are cannot be separated from what your name is once they are identified together. In the Bible, as a matter of fact, when somebody changed their character, God often gave them a new name, like Abram, Jacob, Sarai, Simon. And thirdly, your name also represents your authority. Amen? Uh, is Alexis Baker in here? Uh, Steve Newsom's on the camping trip. I'll use Steve as an example because I see Heather back there. If Steve Newsom pulls you over and he says, stop in the name of Steve Newsom, guess what? That's not going to work. Because what makes it powerful and what makes that badge powerful is the symbolism of the authority that's behind the name. Stop in the name of the Hanover County Sheriff's Department. Now, that carries a little bit more authority. See, because the name is representative of the authority that represents that name. If John Doe was to call you tonight while you're eating dinner, you might return his call later. You might not. But if Donald Trump or Barack Obama was to call you, I guarantee you, you would take that call immediately. Why? Because those names represent authority. 
Now, when we misuse God's name, we defame his reputation, his character, and his authority, and there's a lot of ways to misuse his name. We're going to talk about those today. But before I get into that, I want to talk to you about the significance of the name. The Hebrews believed that it was forbidden to mention God's name unnecessarily at any time. In many prayer books and other sacred Jewish literature, they would abbreviate the name so that you would not even casually read it or recite the sacred name of God. Ultra-Orthodox Jews will not even pronounce the name of God unless it is only said in prayer or in study. They won't even say it. In the Old Testament, God used several names to refer to himself. God first revealed his name to Moses at Mount Horeb when he called him to be Israel's deliverer from Egypt. I am that I am. Hallelujah. That was the original form spoken to Moses. It refers to God being the eternal and self-existent one who is omnipotent, who is omnipresent, who is omniscient. Amen. It's also a Hebrew idiom. An idiom is just an expression that means something different than what it usually means. It's a Hebrew idiom that means, check this out, when you get there, I will be there. Hallelujah. I am that I am. When you get there, I will be there. He was telling Moses, I will always be with you when you need me, and I will always be there before you even get there. Hallelujah. Another important Old Testament name for God was YHWH, which comes from four consonants in Hebrew. Now, the closest we can come to pronouncing that name in English is Yahweh or Yah, or in its English form, Jehovah. Or, or, or Jah in the New Testament. Don't get lost in the weeds, but this is important. I want to lay this foundation. In the New Testament, when God revealed himself in flesh, though, it was with a new name. Hallelujah. That name is Jesus, which includes and supersedes Yahweh and all the Old Testament descriptive names. Come on, somebody. God so desired that we understand what he is like, especially the nature of his character, that he sent Jesus Christ as the perfect example of all that he is. Amen? Jesus said in John 14, 9, he that hath seen me has seen the Father. In Hebrews 1 and 3, it says, he came as the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. That's who Jesus was. Notice how completely Jesus reflected the glory of God in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Hallelujah. See, Jesus is the redemptive name of God in the New Testament. It is the name of supreme power and authority. I wish some Jesus people would get excited with me about that name right now. It is the only saving name. It is the name which is given for remission of sins. It is the highest name ever revealed. Jesus is that name. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua or Yahshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. See, Jesus has a right to use God's name because he was God in the flesh. The Jewish religious leaders were outraged. Why? Because they understood who Jesus was claiming to be. Here he is calling himself the I Am. 
identifying himself to them as Yahweh. Remember, God used the term I am in the Old Testament. What did Jesus say? John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9, I am the door. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. John 8, 24, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I'm already there. I was already there when he showed up. John 18, 5 through 6, to the soldiers that were arresting him, Jesus said unto them, I am he. And as soon as they said unto him, I am he, they went backward, the Bible said, and fell to the ground. Mark chapter 14, verse 62, when Jesus was addressing the high priest at his trial, and Jesus said, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that we know what God's New Testament name is. Somebody ought to give him a praise. We worship the name of Jesus. Let me sum it up with this passage, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Look on your screen. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though, Look, verse 6, this is in your Bible. Though he was God. Let me just stop and say this. I get tired of everybody that challenges our claim that Jesus was God. Read your Bible. Though he was God, Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Verse 7, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. In other words, God robed himself in flesh. It says he gave up his divine privileges, took a humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in a human form, verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, here's the verses we all know, verses 9 through 11. Are you ready? Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue shall declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why don't somebody give that name some praise right now? Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah, let's praise that name. People say we talk about the name too much. How can you talk too much about the name that is above every other name? So before we talk about how you take that name in vain, I wanted to make sure we understood why that name is so important. The name of Jesus. So, now, 15 minutes into my sermon. We know why his name is so important. Let's talk about how to avoid taking his name in vain. The third commandment prohibits taking. The word literally means carrying the name of the Lord in a vain or in an empty or untrue manner. That's what it means. The phrase does not mean you shall not swear. I'll talk about that later. But the more general phrase, you shall not take. 
take, hear me, throughout the Old Testament is translated into English from 74 different Hebrew words. In other words, there's 74 different Hebrew words that when they translate it into English, it means take, or we use the word take. This one means to lift up, or to bear, or to carry, or to use, or to appropriate. Now, the word vain has the meaning or the sense of desolating, which which means it lacks reality or purpose or value or truth. It also translates as lying or false or worthless or profane or foolish or reproachful or curse or blaspheme or useless. Now, hear me. A lot of us as Christians, we can recite the third commandment of God's Ten Commandments by heart. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? How many of you know that name? How many of you heard that name in Sunday school? How many had somebody tell you that command growing up? Just raise your hand. This isn't a trick question. We've all heard that, right? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. But are you really sure that you know what that means? See, there's something about the third commandment that I think we need to look at. Most of us were raised with a limited understanding of what this verse really means. Not taking the name of the Lord in vain basically meant not saying when we were growing up, oh my God, or or shouting the name of Jesus when you hit your finger with a hammer, right? I think using God's name appropriately in our conversation or in our speaking is a good place to start. I'm going to talk about that later in our message. But there's a deeper meaning than that. I want you to catch this. Don't miss this. This is why you're here today. And the folks that stayed home because of the rain, they're missing it. Amen. And I'm glad you're listening to this on the app right now, whoever you are, but it ain't the same thing as being here. Amen. (laughs) Now, the commandment, hear me, is about far more than how you use God's name as a vocabulary word. It's about how you take his name as a way of life. As I've already said, Do not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain literally means do not carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, do I bear his name? Do I carry his name? Do I represent his name? Do I identify with his name appropriately and honorably? Or do I carry or take his name in vain? I'm going to help somebody today. This passage in the Hebrews understood this meaning. It literally means, does my life represent his identity or do I live like I never really took on his name? Am I carrying, identifying with his name in vain? Hear me, the same expression for take means carry. It's found in Joshua 3 and 6 and Joshua 6 and 6. I want you to see this so you understand what I'm saying. Joshua 3 and 6 says it this way. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Uh, Joshua 6 and 6. Joshua the son of Nine called the priest and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Now we can easily identify or imagine the Levites taking up or picking up the ark, lifting it up, carrying the ark in a proper manner that God had commanded. Now understanding that, we need to correctly read this third command as don't take up or carry his name in vain. It doesn't just mean don't speak it in vain. It means don't represent him in vain. Don't identify with him in vain. 
Don't call yourself a believer but not live like a believer. In the same way that the Levites lifted up and carried the ark of God, we are to lift up and carry God's name honorably by the example of how we live our lives. What does it mean to carry God's name honorably and not in vain? It means that if we claim and profess ourselves to be Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we got to be careful how we think, how we speak, how we live our lives faithfully, obedient to God's laws and ways of life. Don't carry, take up, identify, exemplify his name in vain. See, to know God is to not carry, lift up, represent, present God's name in vain. Look at Titus 1 and 16. This might help you. Look what it says. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. He's saying some people claim they know God, but really they're denying him. How? Not by their words, but by the way they live. See, notice some people claim to know God, but they deny him by their lifestyle. The Apostle John was inspired to remind us that if we claim to know God, then we do what? We keep his commands. Look at 1 John 2, 3 through 4. It says, and we can be sure that we know him, what? If, everybody say if, we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, ooh, this is hard. See, I can't say this as a preacher, but the word of God can say it. That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Did you just call me a liar? No, but the Bible might have. <laughs> Amen. It might have called me one. Depend upon how I am carrying the name. Depending upon how I am taking up his name. See, now, now please remember that this command has more to do with our life than our word choices. And that taking his name in vain does not mean, uh, it means not representing him in a way that does not bring him the glory. Does, does this make sense to anybody here today? Come on, don't take his name in vain with your lifestyle. Now, this teaching may be revelatory to you, and I hope it is. But I don't want to just limit it to that. Let's also talk about the traditional view of this commandment that we are all probably more familiar with that I believe still has some validity as well because it supports the explanation that I just gave you. Because I do think sometimes people identify or don't identify with our lifestyle or our claims to be Christians by the words that are coming out of my mouth. Amen. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Amen. <laughs> See, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. See, and that's how we speak and use his name verbally. Now, it's also important. That's important too. How can we misuse God's name verbally? I'm going to give you a few ways, and then we're going to close. Let's talk about something. First of all, we misuse God's name when we use God's name to insult. When we use God's name to insult. This is when you use his name as a profanity or with profanity or with swearing to express irritation at a situation or to demean someone else. United States, we have some of the most foul-mouthed people in the world. We do. Amen? The most well-known garbage mouths in our society are probably the comedians. 
right? They're paid big bucks, some of them to take the Lord's name in vain, hundreds of times every night. Now this commandment, let me be clear, this commandment is not talking about cuss words. I'm going to help some of y'all here today. Because that's something altogether different. We got different verses for that. (laughs) But now since I'm here, and since I just mentioned cursing, we don't really talk about curse words that much in church. So can I just take a moment right here to challenge you that if you are a follower of Jesus, you should not cuss or use language that is considered culturally inappropriate. I thought I'd get a little more help than that. Now, I know I'm challenging you, and that's, that's what you want when you come to church, right? People say, oh, they're just words. No, they are not just words. Hear me, this is why. All words carry meaning and influence, and if our culture, I'm talking about 2019, United States of America, if our culture deems a word to be inappropriate or vulgar, then as believers, somebody say as believers, we need to strike those words from our vocabulary. It takes maturity to discipline your speech. I'm gonna just, can I just be frank? If the world deems certain words to be inappropriate, why in the world do we think as believers it's okay to use those words? I'm talking about there's words, I don't have to say them, you could probably quote them, and even people in the world know those words are not appropriate. We went to a football game, University of Virginia game, yesterday evening. We hadn't been to one in five or six years. We were in line trying to leave, trying to get to our cars, and there were some young college kids in front of us. They'd been drinking, and one guy started using some profanities, and the girl in front of him who was with him, she turned around to him and said, hey, you need to watch your language. Now, these are people who were intoxicated. These are people who, I don't don't know what their spiritual condition was. I know what their physical condition was in that moment. But she turned around. She said, you need to watch your language. She said, and I'm qualified to tell you that, she said, because I'm trying to take control of my own language. This wasn't church Bible study. This wasn't Sunday school class with 85-year-old granny saying, don't say GD. See, there's words that the world understands are inappropriate. I'm trying to challenge some of you here today. Now, I could give you Bible for this. But really, do I need to give you Bible for not using inappropriate words as a believer? I think if you got a brain, this is just common sense. If you love Jesus, tell your neighbor to clean up your language. Amen. Can I just also say this? If you don't love Jesus, but you want people to view you as professional or cultured, or spirit-controlled, or disciplined, or a little bit more refined than the next guy, clean up your language. I don't need Bible for that. How many of you want to go to your doctor and hear him dropping all this blankety-blank-blank-blank-blank? See, what we have a higher expectation for professional people. I want to be the most, when I was on my construction job, I wanted to be most, the most professional construction worker that was there. When I did, when I do, whatever I do, you want to be professional. Lift up the name of Jesus, and one way you don't carry his name is vain is not by speaking words that are unholy. Can the church just say amen to that right now? Farmer. There was a farmer that was known for his colorful language. He was late getting home to dinner, so his wife asked him. She said, what happened? Did the wagon break down? He said, oh, no. 
He said, I saw the preacher walking home, so I offered him a ride. And from that point on, the mules didn't understand anything that I said. (laughs) So don't use bad words. Particularly, don't use God's name as an insult. Here's your next point I want to share with you. We misuse his name, I'm talking about verbally now, when we use God's name to manipulate. I don't think we, we always know this. Some of us can can take the innocent plea on this, but I want, I want to challenge us in another area. This is when we make, when we claim God's direction for something that is of our own making and we invoke his name to manipulate people or circumstances. I've seen some dishonest believers and I've even seen some preachers who do this all the time. In Hebrew, the third commandment says, no lifting up of the Lord's name as an endorsement. If you really read it in its full context. You are not to take up the name of, the, of, of Yahweh, your God, for emptiness. You know, we would say, no stealing the Lord's name. How do we steal God's name? By applying it to places it doesn't belong. Anytime we misrepresent God, we're taking his name in vain. Now, don't raise your hand, but some people try to do this with their spouse or their kids. I've prayed about this, and God wants me to. Have you really prayed about it? Did God really say that? Come on, we need to be careful that we don't use his name to manipulate. Other people have tried to use this on me as their pastor. They come in for counseling. They tell me that that there's something they need to talk about. There's something on their mind. And guess what? When they walk in and when they say, God told me. You know what I've learned now? I didn't used to always do this. This took me about a decade and a half to figure this one out. I used to try to rationalize with people. But now when people look at me and say, God told me to do such and such, you know what? I've learned there's nearly nothing I can do. Because who am I to speak against what God told you to do? You see, people have come in and they've used, God told me to try to manipulate me. You can't just invoke God's name when it's conducive to the circumstances you want to make it apply to. People try to intimidate others by using God's name. God said this. God said that. God told me such and such. Or God told me to tell you. You know what? God's free to talk to me. He doesn't have to bypass me and go to you. Amen? In the world, when you falsely use somebody's name, we call that identity theft. Or forgery. I think some Christians are guilty of identity theft. There's a lot of spiritual forgers and identity thieves in the world who say, God told me, be very careful when you're speaking for God and adding his name to whatever you're declaring. Oh, I declare and decree. Well, make sure you're saying you're the one declaring and decreeing it, amen, unless you know it was God. Leviticus 19, verse 12. Look at this. Do not misuse my name. By making promises you don't intend to keep. I am the Lord your God. We misuse his name to insult. We misuse God's name to manipulate. And finally, my last point, we misuse his name when we use God's name too casually. Next point, when we use God's name too casually. See, this is when we use God's name without thinking about it as a convenient expression of fear or anger or joy or amazement or surprise. 
You know what we do sometimes? And I think we've all been guilty of this, so I'm not here to beat up on anybody because every time there's one finger pointing at you, there's four pointing right back at my face. Amen? But see, we reduce God's name to a level of wow or oh no. I think just saying Jesus or oh my God. When someone says something or something happens, it could be an example of this. I'm trying to help us today. We don't want to just use it too casually. We use his name sometimes casually without even thinking. Now, my mama, God bless her, she will probably be listening to this sermon tomorrow afternoon. My mama used to get on us for something growing up that we thought was silly. (laughs) Now, I always thought it sounded real old-fashioned or over the top. So in preparation for this sermon, this week I decided to look it up in the dictionary. Now, before I got the results, I actually said this to myself. If the dictionary mentions it, you need to mention it. But if it doesn't mention it, don't mention it. Well, it did mention it. So are you ready? Here it is. You do with it what you want. A lot of people say, gee, or golly, or oh my gosh, or even OMG when they text. Here's what the dictionary says. This isn't me. Not just my mama either. Amen. Gee. According to the dictionary, is a euphemism for the name of Jesus. It started being used around 1890. Golly is a euphemistic alteration of the word God that first started to be used around 1840. Gosh is a euphemistic alteration of the word God that started around 1740. OMG, I think that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Let me try that again. That's pretty obvious, right? OMG, it doesn't mean oh my goodness, amen. What is a euphemism? I looked this up too. Uh, Euphemism is the substitution of a mild, indirect, or vague expression for one that is thought to be offensive, harsh, or blunt. In other words, it means I use G, gosh, and golly because I don't want to say God, Jesus, in vain. In other words, we're using those terms instead of saying Jesus or God. So here's my confession. I've been guilty of this my entire life. Casual substitutes for God's name on occasion. I'm going to try to change that. Anybody else want to try to change that with me? Amen. Maybe you didn't know. Well, now you know. My mama told me to tell you. So do what you will with it. Amen. And please, can I just throw this out too? Don't anybody become the gosh, golly, gee whiz, OMG police. On all our sinners, because you might just tempt us to use a less casual word on you that will really make us look bad. Amen. <laughs> so please don't become that person. I know people who every time you say something positive, they go, praise God. I'm talking about using it too casually. Do we really need to end every sentence with praise the Lord or praise God or Lord have mercy or hallelujah? I'm talking about us as believers. Sometimes we get real casual with some of these things. Pastor, aren't you getting a little bit nitpicky? Well, I might be. But see, my fear is is that we cheapen the name of God by using it so casually and so often. Amen? Did you know there's another way that I think we can use God's name casually? And this is really getting close to home. Is in our worship time or in our prayer time. Could we be taking the Lord's name in vain when we're in church singing a song about Him and we're just kind of going through the motions and we're not even thinking about the words or Or maybe when you pray in his name and your mind is a million times away. How many of you don't raise your hand? How many of you, your prayer time has ever sounded like this? Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. See, we do it all the time. 
and we don't think it sounds silly. But imagine it like this if I was having a conversation with my wife. Robin, 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 Robin. Robin, will you make me some brownies, 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 brownies? Please, Robin, please, please, Miss Thompson, Miss Thompson, Miss Thompson, Robin, Robin, Robin. Now, see, that sounds silly, doesn't it? I wonder if God is ever listening to our prayers and goes, hey, could you just kind of, you know, get to the point here, you know. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Something to think about. Isaiah 29, 13. So the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship, look at this. Their worship of of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Don't miss that. Sometimes our worship, it's just rote. It's repetition. It's just... Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Oh, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line now. Oh, call him up, call him up, tell him what you want. Silly, isn't it? But aren't we all guilty of it at times? I wonder if the Lord would rather have five minutes of sincere praise than an hour of just going through rote motions. Something to think about. Matthew 6, 7, praise team, come on up. Let's give them hope, amen. Matthew 6 and 7. Notice what it says. Here's a good, here, and guys, here's Bible for what I'm talking about. When you pray, don't just babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again. And again, yeah, that's in your Bible. That's in the Bible. So the third command, don't take the Lord's name in vain with my lifestyle or with my words. Look at Psalm 61 and verse 5. You have given me the blessings you reserve for those who reverence your name. You have given me the blessings you reserve for those who reverence your name. How do we do that? We need to revere God's name continually. Treat God's name with the utmost respect, using it carefully, lovingly, as an act of worship. Can I just tell you in a practical sense, when you catch yourself using his name randomly or too casually, just catch yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Don't beat up Eddie every time you hear him say, golly gee willikers, amen? We don't need it because then guess what we're doing? We're becoming legalistic and we're becoming Pharisees and then we're doing the same thing that Jesus condemned them for doing, right? But just kind of catch yourself. Revere that name. Reverence his name continually. Psalm 29 and 2 says, Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. We also honor his name by representing God's name clearly. I already talked about that. Our lifestyle either lifts up the name of Jesus or drags it through the gutter. Here's something I know. Our walk needs to match our talk. If you're a Christian, then you represent Christ. Here's one thing I know. There's three reasons why people aren't saved. You want to know why? Number one, they haven't heard the Word of God. Number two, they've never met a Christian. Or number three, they've met people who profess to be Christians but are not never heard the word you can't be saved if you've never if you're not saved maybe you haven't met a believer who can tell you the word or some people they've met phonies that have said I don't want anything to do with that business 
And then we also carry His name well by relying on God's name completely. Stand with me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 7. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, Pastor, what's, what's the answer today? Well, you know what Jesus said? He said, if you want to clean up your mouth, there's a way to do it. And that's by cleaning up your heart. Amen. That's what he said. Matthew chapter 12. Christ speaks specifically to this issue of good speech and what comes out of the heart. Notice what he said in Matthew 12, 33. Are you ready? Look at this. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree's good, its fruit will be good. If a tree's bad, its fruit will be bad. Jesus said this ain't rocket science. He said you don't have to be a horticulture expert. He said a tree is identified by fruit. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. See, here's the problem. We try to change the fruit when Jesus says you got to change the tree. (laughs) We want different fruit. Look at these apples. But we've still got all this stuff. God says, you want better fruit? Work on this. Work on this. Work on this. See, the problem's not our words, folks. It's our heart. Good produces good. Evil produces evil. That's why one of the symptoms of demon possession, have you ever noticed this? Maybe you haven't. I've been around it. One of the symptoms of demon possession is a tremendous desire of the possessed person to curse and blaspheme the name of the Lord. I've been in deliverance sessions. You want to hear some filthy language? You try to cast the devil out of somebody. They will profane the name of God and Yeshua in that environment. You say, how can I have a good heart? Well, guess what? Good news. That's what Jesus died for. The reason He died on the cross It's not only that we might be forgiven, but that we might be changed. I've been saying this throughout this series. I said it in week one. I said it in week two. I think Pastor Pavey said it again last week. He not only wants to set you free, he wants you to live free. A new heart I will give you. He said that back in the Old Testament. He said, I will take aside this heart of stone, that heart that wants to stand against God, that heart that wants to speak against God, that heart that wants to blaspheme God. He said, I'll take that heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. In other words, a heart that is sensitive toward God. Last little story, and then I'm going to open this altar. And I, I want to invite everybody to come. Please don't make me beg. Can I just, can I, can I rabbit trail again? Man, when it comes to altar call time, if you're a believer and if this is your church, can you step out of your chair and come down to the altar and let God speak to you and, and make a confession or a decision, amen, just to say, I want to do a little bit better in what I heard about today? Hear this story. There's a story about Alexander the Great. I tried to verify this. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. A story about Alexander the Great. He was very upset with a soldier that was a, car- a coward and the soldier had run away in battle. Alexander went up to him and chewed him out, told him a whole bunch of unpleasant things. Finally, Alexander was shouting at the coward and he said to him, What is your name? Finally, that scared soldier looked back at him and he said, My name is Alexander, sir. And Alexander the Great became even more enraged. And he took the man and he shook him and he said to him, either change your character or change your name. 
That's it. Who are you today? If you're a believer, that's great. I hope everybody in your office knows it. I hope everybody in your school knows it. Do you belong to God? Yes. You walk with the king. Great. Don't carry his name in vain. Because if you do, you either need to change your character or you need to change the name that you're identifying with. See, let's not be so easily and flippantly associated with the name, yet so reckless with our lifestyle. I don't want to represent him in vain. People know I'm a believer. People know I'm a pastor. People know I claim that he set me free. we got to live that way. Most of us at times have expressed disrespect for God. You know what we do? Just repent and do better. I close with this last verse, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. See, God wants more from us than lip service. He wants a relationship that stems from the heart. And in the end, it's not enough just to avoid misusing God's name. God wants us to love Him, respect Him, honor Him with our life. Amen. Anybody can talk the talk. But can we walk the walk? And more importantly, when we stumble, can we just get up, wipe off our knees and say, Lord, forgive me, help me to go forward. Amen. So that's what I want to ask you to do right now. Would you step out from where you are? And let's come to this altar, church family. And as the praise team begins to sing about His name, I want you to just begin to ask Him, God, first of all, just say, Lord, and if, if, you, if this doesn't apply, you don't have to. Just say, God, forgive me for being so casual with Your name. But God, I identify as a believer. I call myself a Christian. Therefore, I bear the name of Jesus. Help me, Lord, to represent Your name. Help me to represent your name. I don't want to carry it in vain. I don't want to carry it in vain. Just ask God. Say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me to represent your name. Amen. Your name is victory. Oh, praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name. Oh, praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Oh, praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory.